Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes H. Wayne White Sr., a longtime observer of communism, a conservative speaker and author of the new book, The Decline of America. And Wayne, thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome to the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Well, I'm glad to be with you. Uh, looking forward to uh, our conversation. Let's talk about how and why you became interested in communism. There's a lot of things to look at in this world. Why did you go there? It's interesting. I'm probably one of the few, you might even say idiots, that when I was 13, and I've kind of just kept an eye on it, lately, everything that's going on, and I kept getting asked so many times, and even even on television with conservative talk hosts, they all go, why is this happening? You know, why is he doing this? Or why is the government doing that? And the answer has been staring us in the face. And that's the sad thing. People my age, and if you're over 50 or 60, uh, we're partly to blame because the warning signs have been there since, believe it or not, 1908, when the predecessor to the FBI, which was called the Bureau of Investigation, started investigating communism. And communism has been our menace for all these years. And I document its uh, activities. And the problem is, and I kind of relate it to an analogy of religion. You know, there's thousands of religions, and they all have a different name. But they all have two things in common, a deity and life after death. Well, that's kind of communism in America. You've got all these benign names uh, like Antifa and Black Lives Matter and even Planned Parenthood and the Southern Law Conference. And they all have these different names. So we look at them as little individual pockets of activity or resistance or aggravation when they're really one solid unit that doesn't want to be connected as a solid unit because that would scare everybody. And so that's what we have. And and we were warned. Of, I'll give you a good example because you may want to do an entire show on it someday. If you Google, and, and believe it or not, this, this uh, congressman was our congressman here where I live. In 1963, introduced by unanimous consent, the 45 goals of communism. And if you go down that list, with the exception that Russia at the time was our nemesis, and people don't realize that in 1963, China was really a third world country until we let it into the World Trade yes. Organization. But at any rate, most of those 45 goals have been accomplished. So we were warned. And, and Reagan said it only takes one generation to lose the country. And on April 27th in 1961, John F. Kennedy, believe it or not, gave a speech at the Waldorf Astoria to uh, the press corps, and he said, if you don't do something about censorship, you will end up with a dictatorship. 
Now, that was 1961, and here we are talking about it like it just happened. And, and that's the problem. We have our head in the sand and have ignored all the warnings all these years. We saw this list, and I think it bears going over. I, I first saw this list and became familiar with it when I read The Naked Communist some years ago. And I was just astounded at uh, what you referenced about the number of things that have come to pass in the interim. So let's talk about just a couple of them, because I think this is really important. One of them I want to start here is the promotion of the United Nations. As a kid, I used to see signs around billboards around Los Angeles saying, get us out of the United Nations from the John Birch Society. I never understood as a kid why that was important. Uh, This is kind of the root of all evil, isn't it? It really is, and certainly has not been our friend. <laughs> and one of the things that I, when I gave a Tea Party speech years ago, I brought up the fact we pay about 25% of the union dues, China pays 3%, and yet we go and borrow the money from China to pay our dues. I don't get it, and I don't know why we put up with it, Yes, but we do. It's just crazy. Uh, I want to go to a couple of other of these, and <laughs> this one is really ironic. It was talking about capturing the United States political parties, uh, one or both, and uh, we, we could argue about the both part, but one of them is certainly doing the bidding of, in fact, the uh, Communist Party USA uh, didn't even run a candidate in a couple of these elections, saying that the Democrats were doing their bidding. They really have turned into, and and here, you know, one of the things I do is I say, We've got to start calling these people communists, and they hate that. They do not want that word used. And that's why even people in the know say Marxism. Well, most people understand Marxism as a philosophy, but they can't relate to it. But when you say communism, they relate to Cuba. They relate to Venezuela. They relate to Russia and China. They can relate to that, and that's why they don't want that word used but they've, they've taken over the Democratic Party. There's no question about it. And my philosophy is you may be a communist or what Stalin called a fellow traveler if you support the things on that list. And you may not realize that you're a communist. You don't know what you don't know. I want to go also to a couple of other areas of this list, the 45 communist goals that have essentially been achieved. The other one is is uh, controlling the media, which I think is really fascinating because a lot of people don't realize that the media is being controlled or that they're being fed mind control, essentially, messages from the media in collusion with the communist agenda. It's propaganda. And I think it was Goebbels, who was head of Germany's propaganda, who said, tell a lie, tell it often, and it becomes the truth. And if you look up the definition of propaganda, it is the forming of opinions by either misinformation or omitting of information. And that's exactly what you see. And the problem is that you have roughly 95 percent of the information going out in this country is controlled. And I'm going to use the word by communists because yes. that's what they are. They're, they're not leftists. I don't know if you know this, but in the 1940s, when Hollywood and and you had the House and American Activities, which started before the 40s, you know, was really anti-communist. And so they they changed their name and they they started calling themselves progressives. So when you see the word progressive, it really just been like everything else replaced, uh, like so many of our words with, uh, you know, communism is, is no longer called communism by the communists. They're called progressive and leftists. Something else that has happened that, that I find particularly distressing is this prediction of the infiltration of churches. 
And so now we see churches in many instances, Wayne, who are promoting covetousness, which is essentially communism and redistribution of wealth from the pulpit in violation of the Ten Commandments. It's just remarkable how the church has fallen uh, seemingly so quickly. And I've talked about this in some of my speeches. If you read the Constitution, what it says is the government shall not establish establish a religion like they had in England and, quite frankly, like Islam. Islam is, is a government that establishes a religion, and it's the only religion that it, in that government that you can have. If you don't believe in it, then you're out or you're dead. And so I can't find a single county, city, state, or federal agency that has established a religion. So this idea that, you know, there's a separation of religion, it, there's, it's really nowhere in the Constitution. They operate together. They exchange money. Even the government helps them. I don't know how far you've gotten the book, but I cover the fact that under the Obama administration, when a company or organization is fined by the government, the money is supposed to go into the general funds. But under Obama, the uh, Justice Department said, oh, no, we're going to change that. And you can donate it to a nonprofit organization. And here's the list of nonprofit organizations. Guess what those nonprofit organizations were? They were all left-wing organizations. Well, first of all, that's against the law because that's not what the law says. To paraphrase something Winston Churchill said and still mess it up, there is so much to talk about in so little time. We see here in essentially the cradle of the country, we're broadcasting out of Charlottesville, Virginia, the home of Thomas Jefferson, an intense effort to discredit not only the founders of the country, but the foundational documents uh, where they want to take the name Jefferson and Madison off the library. They've already removed it from the local health district, and they're trying to essentially sanitize any name or any association with the founders of the country. Why is this important and why was that on the list of goals for the communists? Well, one of the things they want to do in taking over any country to, to demoralize it and to take in that way its moral background. And one of the things that Stalin was attributed to, and it's, it's never been proven that he said it, is that the, the toughest part about destroying America is its patriotism, its morals, and the Constitution. And so those are the things they go after. And I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said, if the Americans have all the facts, they will make the right decisions. And that's the reason for taking over the information centers. And they definitely control them right now. I mean, I, I used to record MSNBC and watch it until I, I kept a bucket beside me so I could throw up <laughs> in it. But I used to watch that just a little bit. And it's ridiculous what they say. And people believe it. Another good example of propaganda is I don't think I ever met a Muslim mother that rocked her six-month-old baby and said, I can't wait till you grow up and blow yourself up. That's input. And I gave a speech in 2011 to a large Tea Party group called Whoever Controls the Input Controls the Outcome. And that's what it's about. On this list of 45, I want to go to one of them that really hits to the core of the country, and it's the undermining of the family unit, and then secondarily or in conjunction, the isolation of children from their parents, which we're seeing in spades right now. Let's talk about that goal and, and how they actually managed to do that, because we're in the midst of it. Part of that's with the educational system, yes. and, and there again, people don't realize 
the National Education Association, the largest educational group in the world, very influential, was founded in 1857 by a Marxist. So they've been they've been at it a long time. J. Edgar Hoover had a very, very good quote, and I really like it. He said, the high chair is more important than the electric chair. And he's so right. And they know that. You see, they're they're way ahead of us on how to destroy a country. And they've worked at it. And we've been busy building a country. And we used to be the place where streets were supposedly lined with gold. And today they're lined with homeless people. And we can't seem to import more. We want to import even more. It, it doesn't make any sense. But if you destroy the morals, if you destroy the founding fathers, if you destroy religion, what is the basis? And the basis for communism is the state is everything, and you as an individual are nothing. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast continues with H. Wayne White Sr. in just a moment. Shilling Show Unleashed. Borderhawk.news is a one-stop shop with the latest news about immigration, nationalism, and globalism. The Borderhawk staff daily curates immigration news stories and, in the fashion of the Drudge Report, updates the site with cutting-edge content and original first-class commentary. Borderhawk.news highlights national and international media reports, tweets and nuggets buried in local news blurbs, polls, video clips, and policy research. Borderhawk is pro-legal immigration, pro-rule of law, but against an unsecure border as countless Americans have suffered violence at the hands of criminal illegal aliens. And an increasing number of Americans are concerned about how mass migration affects their daily life. Borderhawk.news will remain on the forefront of the immigration issue with a buffet of info to read, evaluate, and share. Bookmark Borderhawk.news. Add them on social media at News on Twitter. Get your fix online at shillingshow.com. The book is The Decline of America. Our guest is Wayne White, and we're talking about the Communist Party in America and communism in general as a cancer across the world. So I want to go to some of the history because you have an excellent section of the book on this, Wayne, about communism in America. Let's talk about where this began. It had to come in at some point, some definable point. So where was that? Well, actually, it was here in, in 1908. And as I said, the uh, predecessor to the FBI mm. uh, was the Bureau of Investigation, and they were investigating communists at that time. And then after the revolution in 1917, they got bolder. They really went after unions. You can see the progression in the book because they went after unions and then they went after the teachers union. And then they could see the value being propaganda oriented in the movie industry. And they infiltrated SAG, the House Un-American Activities Committee. Most people remember that from Joseph McCarthy. But the truth is he wasn't even a senator when the House Un-American Activities started but because he came on board about the same time television became, you know, widespread, he's better known for it. And, of course, they did everything as they do with anybody. Take Trump, for example. If it's somebody that they is threatening them, they destroy him. And they did a good job of doing that. And even today, people are afraid to use the word communist because they'll go, oh, you're a McCarthyism. You're this, you're that. They have infiltrated everything, including the movie industry, 
I don't know if people know, but one of the ways that uh, Ronald Reagan met Nancy was he was head of the Screen Actors Guild from 1947 until 1952 or something. Mm -hmm. And she came to him and said, I'm getting solicited and inundated with solicitations to join the Communist Party, and I don't want to. Is there anything you can do about it? That's how they met. That's how bad it was. He um, testified in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee. So did Walt Disney about the activities going on with the unions and how they were harassing him and they were communists. And a lot of other people that were in the movie industry. One of the big examples I like, and it just shows you that we were warned and knew about this, was John Wayne was a great uh, anti-communist. And I don't know if you remember, but he made a movie during the Vietnam War called the Green Berets. And Ron Reagan wanted to see it when it was doing its premiere. And he kept calling and they said, we're sold out. There's no tickets. And so he knew one of the producers of the movie and he called him. He said, how can I get a ticket? And the guy says, what do you mean? He says, we hardly have anybody going. And Ronald Reagan told him what was going on. They literally were blackballing that movie at the premiere. And, of course, the Duke got on the phone, and that took care of that. The only thing that movie did was it showed the Green Berets as positive, and it showed some of the atrocities, which the news media didn't ever show, that the Vietnamese were doing to their own people. And, of course, they couldn't stand that. Wayne, I want to talk about the Communist Party USA, and in particular, I'm very curious about the reaction internally in the United States of America to this, because there was a time when this was brewing and the time you discuss where people were generally better educated and at least seemed to be more aware of the threat. So how did this play in the United States of America itself to the people? In the 1940s and in the 1930s, Hollywood and television, there was a very good TV series called I Led Three Lives, which is, was an actual story about an FBI agent. He was an FBI agent. He was a businessman and he was a family man. And that's why it was called I Led Three Lives. And many of the shows were actual events from FBI files. So you had Hollywood and, and, and that group, television and what have you, Portraying communism as bad, that's when the communists got real involved in it and shut it down. In fact, you can't name me in the last 60 years a movie that had communists as bad people. There are always Republicans and corporations and once in a while uh, maybe a Muslim terrorist. But you can't name me a movie or a, a series where communists were bad people. And that's because... Very simply, they they don't want you, you know, talking about them and, and what they're doing. It's just uh, it's not going to happen again. It's propaganda and they've had control of it. But in the book, one of the things you're going to read, which is scary, this is 2001 and it's from the Communist Party USA. And it's a gentleman, a young gentleman uh, in his 20s or 30s talking about how they have infiltrated schools and colleges across the country. And the numbers are staggering. And what he says is staggering. And that's 2001. They haven't slowed down. I want to talk briefly just about J. Edgar Hoover, because you brought him up specifically, and he was a, a real bulldog in his position in the FBI. So what was the battle like between the FBI and the Communist Party USA? I would imagine that it was fierce, even if it wasn't necessarily public. 
Well, no, it was. He was very anti-communist. He joined the uh, what was, again, then the Bureau of Investigation when he was 24. And I think he took over the FBI at a very young age. And he's the first one that cataloged communists and, and anarchists. And the numbers were in the, the hundreds of thousands. And he's responsible, obviously, for developing at that time one of the best uh, law enforcement agencies. And he got criticized by blacks and everything, but they didn't know that he actually used blacks and had blacks working for him to infiltrate some of these minority groups because he knew they were not in the best interest of uh, Americans or American blacks. And so there was a very not well received because he was very active. And I cover in the book some of the things that he uncovered because they did a good job through the 50s and 60s and 70s. But during the 60s, communism just got bigger and bigger. It's like a cancer. It keeps growing and it hasn't slowed down. But that's why they want to take his name off of the FBI building, the, the, the organization that he solely built on his own. And he was very anti-communist. The FBI records that have been released show how infiltrated. Uh, you know, the mistake that McCarthy made was he and the House and American Activities, they basically said that the uh, State Department was infiltrated. But the FBI, after years where they could release the information and when the Soviet Union fell and we got access to some of their archives, every single organization in the government from the White House down was infiltrated. And that's scary. And most people don't know it if they don't study or read some of this stuff. And God knows how long it'll even be available. I'd like to briefly just talk about the FBI then versus the FBI now, because I would imagine that the FBI may well be doing the bidding of the Communist Party in today's environment. It sure seems that way. Well, don't forget, you had a uh, you had an FBI leader who admits he was a communist. Uh, you had the head of the National Security Organization that said he voted for a communist in 1979. And my feeling about that is once a communist, pretty well always a communist. And then, of course, I'm not even going to get into it now, but we did elect a communist president, and I will document that. That's really when the lid popped off the jack-in-the-box, because once that happened, they knew they had us. Anybody that thinks Biden, who can't run a news conference, is running this government, uh, has really got their head in the sand. It is being run by the Obama administration, who admitted when he lost the election or when he got out of office that he was maintaining his 60,000-person campaign organization to help get Democrats elected. That organization is now well over 75,000 and well-funded, I might add. Something else that's really, really troubling is the, the rise of activism that you mentioned under the social issues part of your book. And I see it here in the local government schools where they're encouraging these kids to get up and scream and march. And they're giving them permission to walk out of school and march on uh, climate issues and abortion and all other sorts of things. They are raising a generation of activists who are working against the interests of the United States. Well, and they don't know any better. That's that. That's the problem. You know what the simplest argument against communism is? I don't think there's anybody that would argue with the fact that we're probably one of the worst educated groups and have been for 60 years in the world as far as industrial countries go. 
And China is probably the best educated. I mean, they start their kids out young with discipline and they go to school longer than ours do. And they're certainly better educated. Yet China has to steal technology from the worst educated country in the world. That's a difference in systems, not education. Because when you can invent something in your garage and become a billionaire, that's a better system than when the state owns everything that's invented. And I'll use the AK-47 as a good example. That is the largest sold gun in the world. Not the largest sold gun, but the gun that's sold more than any other gun in the world. The AR-15, that family is billionaires. And the guy that invented the AK-47 died with about $500,000 to his name, and that's a lifetime of engineering in a communist country. Wayne, I want to talk about this because a lot of people are just not aware of the differences between the communists who play the long game and they exhibit great patience versus the United States of America and maybe the West generally, who's looking maybe one or two years down the line or maybe not even past the tip of their nose. That is a big difference, isn't it? It is. And, you know, there's two organizations and only two that are well organized and worldwide. One of them is communism and the other one is Islam. Anywhere in the world, at least 90 percent of any problem you throw a dart at on a world map, one of those two organizations is involved if there's a problem or a war. They are well organized. And they have been at it a long time. There, like I said earlier, there is no large group worldwide or even in this country that pushes capitalism and a constitutional type government. We just kind of coast along and do our own thing. And we're used to being or used to be independent thinkers. And, and that's why we would go in our garage, invent something and, and, and make the country the largest industrial power in the world for a while. There just is no large organization that promotes that. And yet you're fighting an organization. If you look around in in England or any place else where there's riots, you could be looking at a riot here in this country. The same signs, the same fist in the air movements, the same Nazi uh, slogans and what have you. I'll tell you an interesting thing. The subtitle of my book originally was Communism uh, Spreading Through America. And I advertised that on Facebook. I got, for three days, only three days on Facebook, I got 28,000 reviews. Every single one of them except three had the same thing. It's an algorithm. And it said, you're a Nazi, you're a, a, a racist, you're this. One of them that I thought was pretty original, though, it said, you can tell he's a racist by his last name. Now, if that's the way it worked, I sure would have chose parents with the last name writ. Wayne White, uh, this is such an amazing book because you've spent a lot of time documenting important information that I really haven't found compiled anywhere else and great analysis as well. If people want to get a copy of The Decline of America or be in touch with you, how can they do that? They can uh, buy it on Amazon, and it's in it's in paperback, it's on ebook, and it's also on audio. Or they can go to my website, which is books plural by h w white dot com, and they can also get a hold of me through there. The book is doing quite well, and believe it or not, a lot of it is just by word of mouth and passing it around. 
As well it should. Wayne White, thank you so much for your efforts, and thank you for joining us today on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. It's been a pleasure, Rob. Have a wonderful day, my friend. That concludes another edition of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.